0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: It's Monday afternoon, it's four o'clock. In the old days, I would be at my desk and I would be watching the Google earnings release and getting ready for the Google earnings call.
0: Peter Kafka is a senior correspondent at Recode.
1: I've stopped doing that because those calls are boring. Finally,
2: Google other revenue. Android continues to thrive. I'm proud to announce that over $80 billion... They're
1: even boring for me, and it's my job to pay attention to them. So what I normally do is go, I'm going to ignore it. If something big happens, I'll find out later, and I'll come back to it. Sure enough, I end my meeting that I'm having at 5 o'clock, go to Twitter, and all the other reporters who are covering, go, oh shit, YouTube.
0: According to YouTube, the site generated more than $15 billion in ad revenue last year alone. It's the first time YouTube has revealed figures from ads. The 15 billion. Today on the show, the business of YouTube. What $15 billion means in light of YouTube's history, and what that number signals for the future of the platform and YouTubers everywhere. I'm Ariel Dimross. This is Reset. So what exactly was the number that they released on Monday?
1: $15 billion last year in ad revenue. And about another $3 billion in revenue from things that aren't really ad-supported. That's selling subscriptions to YouTube TV, and they also have an ad-free version of YouTube and a music service. So really, it's, I think, an $18 billion company. They finally, for the first time ever told us how big YouTube is. We knew it was big. We were guessing at how big it was, and and now we know.
0: And that's a big deal.
1: It is a big deal, literally because YouTube is this really important business. It's a really important cultural institution. Um, It's just a giant landmark on the internet. And now we get a little bit of sense of how important it is to Google slash Alphabet as well.
0: Okay, so $15 Is that what Google takes home?
1: No, Google gives at least half of the revenue they bring in to the people who supply the content. That's the Comcasts of the world and that's the influencers of the world and everyone in between. If you put stuff up on YouTube and YouTube makes money from it, they are giving at least half that money back to you.
0: Do we actually know how much money is going back to creators or is it a little bit more of a guess?
1: Uh, all YouTube would say is more the majority of their revenues and because I'm this kind of person, I actually called up uh, the good folks at Google yesterday and said, just to be clear, that's more than half, right? And they said Yes. So at a minimum, $7.5 billion. Um, could be well more than that because some companies get better deals than others.
0: So Google's version of YouTube has been around for at least 14 years. Mm-hmm. Why release the numbers now for the first time? Why haven't they done this before?
1: So the informed speculation, um, I'm going to credit Ben Thompson, writes the great Stratechery newsletter, is that this is actually a result of Sundar Pichai now becoming CEO of Alphabet, the SEC who actually is meaningful in this case has been pushing google/alphabet to provide more disclosure about their businesses they famously give almost no information to investors and sort of shrug everyone's okay with it and there's an argument that sort of says Larry Page is the CEO of Alphabet but he doesn't actually see the YouTube number so he can't put them in. it's <laughs> it's very confusing okay. and does not pass the bs test at all in any case um the thought by Bano, i'm going to credit him here is is that by putting in numbers for youtube and also google's cloud business which is pretty significant it heads off uh, a fight with the sec and this is the way for them to provide minimal disclosure but still satisfy a regulator
0: Okay, so previously they were explaining away their lack of disclosure by saying, even our CEO doesn't know this number.
1: Yeah, what are you going to do? So you had Wall Street analysts guessing at numbers for years. It turns out a lot of them were pretty high. A lot of them thought YouTube was doing 30 billion, or 21 billion. So the number is actually a little lower than people were guessing. But again, they were just guessing.
0: Okay, and now because Sundar Pichai is the new CEO of Alphabet, mm-hmm. they have to disclose it because he did know the number.
1: That is what we think.
0: That's interesting. So what was the reaction to that $15 billion number?
1: It's funny. Um, I think a bunch of people said, that's a big number. And then the analysts said, no, the number's a little smaller than we thought. And everyone moved on because people are so inured to crazy numbers coming out of Google and Facebook. Uh, Facebook did $67 billion in advertising, numbers that mere mortals literally can't comprehend. I focused on the idea that they were passing out this money to the media companies and to individual creators, because that to me is pretty significant. Again, this was a non-business in 2006. This was the reason people made fun of YouTube and said, this is dogs on skateboards, is because that's what they were doing, they were doing dogs (laughs) on
0: skateboards.
1: (laughs) My Day at the Zoo was their first video.
0: All right, so here we are, one of the uh, elephants. The cool thing about these guys is that they have really, really, really long
2: um, fronts, and that's, that's cool.
1: The reason lots that. of people knew about them was because they'd taken an SNL video and put it up.
0: Sunday, wake up in the late afternoon, call Parnell just to see how he's
1: It was just a grab bag of weird video at a time when it was still pretty hard to stream video on the internet. And the idea that it's this huge thing now with 2 billion users and $15 billion a year in revenue, it's pretty staggering if you just think about where it was.
0: So can you take me back a little bit? How did YouTube start?
1: Basically, there's three guys, Steve Chen, Chad Hurley... Jawad Karim. In 2005, they put up this bare-bones website that can barely stream videos. It does it better than lots of other people do. If you were trying to stream video back in 2005, you might remember they required all kinds of plugins. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to uh, stream something, they needed to know what kind of computer you were using. YouTube made all that much more simple. Takes off like a rocket ship. Sequoia puts in some money. Sequoia Capital puts in some money. And they're a really small company when they get acquired literally 18 months later, by Google for $1.65 billion.
0: And that seemed like a ton of money at the time.
1: A ton of money. Um, it's This was sort of after MySpace had been bought and you started to see sort of big internet companies and big media companies start to pay attention to the internet. We, we were a few years past the internet, uh, the first dot-com boom and then bust, where a lot of big media companies said, oh man, we are glad we don't have to pay attention to the internet anymore. It turns out that was all bullshit, just like we hoped it was. <laughs> So 2000, 2000, 2005, 2006 are like, uh oh, maybe this could be something we could use. Maybe we could advertise our TV shows there. Or maybe they're going to pirate our TV shows. That's a real problem. This is what a lot of the big media companies are concerned about. So YouTube spends the first few years as its private company and then owned by Google hammering out deals with the big media companies. In some cases, it gives them equity. Sometimes it figures out how to pay them per stream. Sometimes it's figuring out how to pay them as a percentage of ad revenue. Eventually, they get to this model where you put your stuff up here. We give you a cut of the ad revenue. Then they extend that program to the what they call the YouTube Partners Program, right? which is a way to give some of the early users of YouTube who were, who were celebrities on YouTube, and these were just generally guys, sometimes girls, who have a webcam in their bedroom and make weird ass videos.
0: Very bare bones.
1: Very bare bones, and this is a way to, for YouTube to start sharing money with them. Eventually, for some of these people, it becomes a real business. YouTube extends that pretty broadly by 2012. And that's the business model we more or less have today. They pulled back a little bit, made it a little harder for some of the most extreme or less well-known people making videos to make money. But that's generally the model.
0: The way that model evolved... It kind of sounds like YouTube didn't actually know that that was going to be the business model just as it was starting out.
1: No, I don't think they really knew. I think they thought there was going to be advertising involved. When they were getting sold to Google, they were starting to put banner ads on the site. Um, There's a great video I love of of Steve Chen and Chad Hurley. They look like they're stoned or drunk. Maybe they're just tired from lack of sleep after selling the company to Google.
0: Hi, YouTube. This is Chad and Steve. We're the co-founders of the site and we just want to say thank you. Today we have some exciting news for you. We've been acquired by Google. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> Making
1: an announcement to the public, They're like, ah, this is going to be great. But all their concerns are about uptime and keeping the servers running and the community. <laughs> because even though right. YouTube was this really big thing then, it was tiny then. And That and seems so quaint. It was tiny and kind of for for nerds and people who got the internet, it was not ubiquitous. hmm And so they're sort of speaking to this relatively small community of people who are into YouTube. And of course, now it's just YouTube is like running water, right? It's just utility.
0: Okay, so does YouTube's business model, what you just described, the advertising, is that working for YouTube?
1: Yeah, it's $15 billion worth of ads and it's significant. There was a long debate about when would YouTube be a significant part of Google's business. It is clearly there. And I'm one of the people who thinks that YouTube fundamentally can't police itself because it has this platform structure where anyone can upload anything and anyone can look at it. And YouTube will look at it once it's up there and it tries to take down the worst stuff right away, but it's, you know, they're just uploading 500 hours of content per minute. It's crazy. Um, and to me, that seems not sustainable, but it clearly is the, also the thing that allows them to generate $15 billion worth of ads, you will occasionally hear advertisers saying, I got a problem with YouTube. There's too much weird stuff there. I don't want to advertise there. But they're throwing $15 billion a year. And by the way, that number was $8 billion two years ago.
0: How do we know it's doubled in two years if this is the first time that YouTube has released these numbers?
1: They they conveniently gave us three years of data. So if you think of all the crap that YouTube has taken over the last couple of years about all their content problems, and about advertisers worrying about it, the money just keeps flowing in. They've nearly doubled that business in just two years. And that's just the advertising part of it, by the way.
0: You obviously seem to think this number is interesting and important. Why should the average user of YouTube care about this? I
1: think you should know how the thing you consume, the thing you make, the thing you buy, whatever it is, gets made. And you should know how your free service, in particular, gets to you. It gets to you because advertisers are pouring $15 billion. doesn't get to you by magic gets to you because a bunch of people are putting together this business whether or not you think about it you are participating in this business by watching a video so you should know how that works
0: Peter Kafka is a senior correspondent for Recode he also hosts his own podcast called Recode Media check it out to really know how YouTube works you have to examine it from the perspective of the people who make the videos you watch on YouTube that's after the break This is Reset.
2: The best thing I heard from a creator I spoke to was when
0: YouTubers first started creating content, they became accidental entrepreneurs. Julia Alexander is a reporter for The Verge. She's had a lot of conversations with YouTubers. Because for them, when they started uploading, a lot of them weren't expecting to be paid. They were just uploading to YouTube in the way
2: that we upload to TikTok or Instagram. The minute that YouTube started handing out ad revenue and that ad revenue started to grow, they became accidental entrepreneurs. And when it becomes your full-time job, suddenly the conversation changes from, hey, I really love uploading content and making videos to, I'm being screwed over by this company that I never intended to work on or for in the first place. So it's become a really interesting cultural shift that has happened so incredibly fast. Like, we're talking seven, eight years.
0: Julia Alexander, you cover YouTube, and you wrote about this $15 billion figure that was announced this week. And in your story, you had a great line that I really liked, and it read, Creators are the beating heart of YouTube, But advertising is the blood that flows throughout. So how have creators reacted to this $15 billion number?
2: There's been a little bit of of a mixed reaction, but I would say the strongest is that now that they can see the $15 billion ad revenue, the biggest complaint is, why haven't we seen that? They want more of it, is I think the best way to put it. They saw $15 billion in revenue, and they said... We are the reason that advertisers are coming to your platform. We create the videos that bring viewers in, and yet I'm still struggling to pay rent, or I'm still figuring out how to pay for meals, so YouTube give me more money.
0: Okay, so content creators who are like, $15 billion, this is great, why aren't we getting more? The
2: feeling for a lot of the creators who have come in in the last few years is we are driving one of the greatest uh, and biggest video platform sites on the internet, YouTube has monopolized video on demand. YouTube has monopolized video on the internet. And that's all because of content creation that they put in. Not only are they saying, hey, we deserve more. You need to give us more because we create the content that brings advertisers to you. But they've also dealt with a lot of major ad issues that they're saying, hey, you've also kind of screwed us over a lot in the last four years.
0: What exactly do you mean when you say that creators are saying you've screwed us over over the last four years? What has YouTube done to change the way that content creators make their money?
2: Right. So the best way to, uh, to TLDR, to kind of run through it, is uh, people never paid attention
0: to YouTube.
2: They paid attention to it as a company. They paid attention to it as a big website. But they never were really looking at where advertisers, ads were landing on YouTube videos. In 2016, late 2016, early 2017, a number of stories come out that are saying there are ads on videos uh, related to terrorism content. There are uh, Adidas ads on kind of really disturbing children's videos. And then in early 2017, the biggest YouTube creator of all time, PewDiePie, the Wall Street Journal, story that comes out and says, hey, there's an ad running on these videos. He's making a lot of money and he just put up a video with anti-Semitic imagery. From that point forward, YouTube is kind of living in this day-to-day crisis situation where every single day, now that people are paying attention, they're noticing their advertisements on videos that shouldn't have advertisements because of ethical and moral reasons. So YouTube starts to integrate new policies. I mean, we're talking a ton of policies, 30, 40 policies, that they're implementing in order to ensure that advertisers feel comfortable running ads on their platform.
0: So it's prioritizing advertisers' comfort as opposed to content creators and how much money they're bringing in.
2: Right. And this is the head-to-head that YouTube executives, including uh, CEO Susan Wojcicki and the creators themselves, have constantly had, where the executives have said, we care about our creators, but also we need advertisers on the platform. The big thing that happened was called the adpocalypse.
0: Hey, guys. So it looks like there's this thing called adpocalypse. The YouTube adpocalypse
1: is here. Oh, no.
0: The adpocalypse. Adpocalypse.
1: It's effectively shut down advertising on their main channel.
2: This is apparently how YouTube solves problems by panicking and either demonetizing or banning people in order to cater to a few. And this is what the creators referred to in 2017. After YouTube made a bunch of changes, creators, we're talking big and middle, saw huge fluctuations in the revenue they were pulling in. 70 to 80% of revenue was gone. And so they had to start figuring out how to supplement it. So a lot of them went to Patreon or a lot of them. We're we're looking at brand deals, which is now the state of YouTube we exist in, because from that period to now, the reality is, is that many creators have said to themselves and publicly to their viewers, you have to subscribe to me. You have to. I have to do these brand deals. Here's why you're going to see more ads that I'm talking about, because I can't live off advertising review on YouTube because it's changed.
0: And when you say brand deals, you mean content creators talking about products in their videos, as opposed to just relying on the ads that run either in the middle of a video or at the beginning and that were at the end.
2: Right. One of the most popular creators right now is this vlogger named David Dobrik.
0: Hey, David Dobrik. If you don't know me, that's because I'm a piece of shit. Let me, let's do that again.
2: He was just recently on Jimmy Fallon.
0: Check out my YouTube channel and be right back with some Tonight Show. Stick
2: around. He's kind of one of the most mainstream YouTubers right now. He lost a huge ton of his ad revenue because his videos were deemed advertiser unfriendly.
1: Fun fact about Todd, every time I record him, I always have to record him from the waist up because he's always getting a blowjob.
2: He swears on them sometimes. They do stunts, which are a big deal now on YouTube in terms of what advertisers feel comfortable with. Um, he parties a lot and so while that was okay when he first started and he could make ad revenue that no longer is so if you look at his videos over the last year he's got deals with SeatGeek which is a company that does concert tickets Um, he's got deals with everyone else and he will stop in the middle of this video to go. Okay, this—the only reason we can do this video is because we're being sponsored by this company. That's how we supplement our living.
0: What's up, guys? Before this video continues, I'm super excited to announce that I'm officially partnering with EA on their new game, Need for Speed Heat. They've just launched a new app called. Need He's for very
2: Speed wealthy. Heat. He's very successful. He's kind of the top top one percent. But it just goes to show that if David Dobrik, who is who's making these videos that bring in ten or eleven million views, can't make it off advertising revenue alone anymore, what does that say for YouTubers who bring in fifty thousand views or one hundred?
0: 100,000 views. They, they just can't live off it. So, Julia, take me back to the beginnings of YouTube's partner program. How did content creators make money back then?
2: So, YouTube first introduced the partner program back in 2007. This was after uh, YouTube had just kind of launched, Google had just acquired them. And what happened was viral videos started becoming Viral and YouTube said, you know what? We're going to give you a, a penny for you doing this. And people are like, I want money if I'm getting 30 million views on David after dentist.
0: Is, is this real life?
2: Yeah, this is
1: real life.
2: Kind of an old school video. Um, Charlie bit my finger.
0: <laughs> Ouch! 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 Charlie! Ouch! <laughs> Charlie! That really hurt. <laughs> I love those videos. <laughs>
2: By 2012, I would argue, 2012 is when YouTube creators start becoming full-time, and they start realizing there's enough advertisement revenue coming into the platform, there's enough interest that the top creators could say, hey, I'm making enough that I can get an apartment or I can get a house somewhere in the Midwest. So the best way to think of how YouTube creators make money and how it all works is to think of it as as a cycle. Um, So creators upload videos to YouTube. Viewers then flock to the platform. Advertisers come to YouTube because that's where the audience is. YouTube gives creators a portion of that advertising revenue, extremely important, to entice them to continue uploading on YouTube and not anywhere else. And creators stay on YouTube because it's the best platform to receive advertising money even though the actual money they're getting is not as great as it could
0: be. And does everybody get the same amount of money per ad views across the board, or or is it different depending on the creator?
2: Yeah, it fluctuates. So the term is CPM. Um, CPM just refers to how much you get per 1,000 views, um, and it changes depending on the creator. There are top creators who get a lot more than smaller creators. You know, the thing that we talk about a lot, I talk about a lot with creators that I talk to, is the 1% of creators, top 1%, Get the most advertising revenue. They tend to get the best advertisements. They're part of what's known as Google's preferred program, um, so they're getting top top deals. And all the creators I talk to understand that it's they're driving the majority of views. Uh, PewDiePie, who is not in Google preferred because he's very controversial, and who actually doesn't make a lot of advertising revenue because his videos are, are not advertiser friendly. He drove like four billion views to YouTube last year alone. So there's wow. a there's a section of creators that YouTube goes, we want them to stay on the site. We need them to produce because we can show them off and advertisers can advertise on, on their videos.
0: And has that changed over time? Is it still that kind of tiered system and a payment intended to keep these content creators on YouTube?
2: 100% is for, I would argue, the vast majority of creators. The, the issue that we talk about a lot uh, in the space is that creators want to leave YouTube. They're, I mean, they would leave tomorrow if they could. There's just no competition. Amazon, which owns Twitch, uh, so they have Twitch as a platform, but that's live streaming and it's two def- different skills. There are cryptocurrency video platforms where you go and you kind of earn Bitcoin and it just gets really complicated. YouTube for all the negative about it, still pays creators, quite frankly, the most and the most efficiently to just upload videos. But because they have this monopoly, they get to what creators view as take advantage of them, and they can say, well, you have to be here because there's
0: nowhere else for you to go. Julia Alexander is a reporter for The Verge. This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Dumrast, If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at Vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. We'll be back on Thursday. Later, nerds.